You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Connection, Legal Talk Radio with Tony and Cheryl. And we are here today. Tony has got her 4th of July garb on. This is my everyday wear. Oh yeah, this is what she looks like all the time. Uh, So those of you watching us on uh, Facebook Live or YouTube uh, can see how gorgeous Tony looks in her sexy red, white, and blue wig and her Uncle Sam. It's not a wig. Oh, it's not. (laughs) Tony, that better be a wig. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and her Uncle Sam jacket. Um, well, we're excited about the 4th of July here. So, Tony yes. even brought us some hats, but I can't get them on my, my uh, over my bunny ears. Did you my, do our call? Our, uh, what call? Yeah, yeah like our, our, did I miss our intro? Uh, the Legal Connection Show. You can find us at 104.5, 106.1. Well, they just said that right as we came on, so I, I just it. introduced us. Okay. Well, it's my red, white, blue hair. I think it is. It's gone to your brain. Uh, no, I kind of, I, I kind of just rolled into the legal connection. We're here and excited. But Fourth of July is tomorrow, right? Yes, Do yes. you have any Fourth of July jokes for us, Tony? I don't, but I'm going to ask our station manager Ethan some Fourth of July trivia. We'll see if some of our listeners also know the answers. Yeah. Are you ready? Uh, <laughs> Uh, station manager Ethan that does not have your yes I am Sam, he's now Uncle he's ready Sam hat on I can't fit it I have to wear headphones <laughs> I'm, put it on top just to appease me once just kind of place it okay, on top I'll, I'll appease you just once hang just on once, I'll, I'll disappear for a second hold on <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. what well, is a cute hat so while he's listening so I know he can hear us in here um let's see I won't there ask. he is look Tony look I Happy love now. it <laughs> you, you look, you look just like Uncle Sam yeah, but I can't put my he- my headphones on, so no. I can't monitor you sound. Can. So all right, fine. You don't have. <laughs> and to it's squishing it. my head. I have a big head, so this oh. thing is kind of like <laughs> squishing it. All so. right, you I'll don't have to wear it. Thank you for appeasing me. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay. So, um, what we were discussing earlier, and because we all know the answer, because I looked it up, is uh, but I'm going to hand it off to Ethan. Ethan, when was the Declaration of Independence signed? Uh, sign? Drum roll. Yes. Uh, I'm guessing, I'm thinking 1774, right? 1774. I'm thinking that's when it's signed, but our, our uh, we declared independence 1776. Yeah, actually not. Um, I think we were still fighting the Redcoats. Um, the, uh, the, the answer is, uh, the Declaration of Independence wasn't signed on July 4th, 1776. It was signed on August 2nd. 1776. So almost a month later. It oh, says most of the delegates signed August 2nd, but several signed even on a later date. The signed parchment copy now resides in the National Archives in the rotunda of the Charters of Freedom alongside the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. Now, uh, here's the next question. D- uh, is there more than one copy of the Declaration of Independence? Hmm. More than one. Are you t- asking yes, me? Yes, I'm asking you. More than one copy? Yes. Like... Uh, do you, is there more than one original? Did they sign two? Um, no. Uh, more than one copy exists. Oh. After oh. the adoption of the Declaration of Independence, the Committee of Five, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston, who I've never heard of, uh, were charged with overseeing the reproduction of the approved text. Hmm. This was completed at the shop in Philadelphia printer, John Dunlap, and on July 5th, Dunlap's copies were dispatched across 13 colonies. So I guess... Uh, it says uh, 26 copies survived of the hundreds. And those are signed copies? Yes. So they reproduced. Well, it says these are rare documents. Notice the Dunlap broadsides. Hmm. Looks like they're originals. Um, of the hundreds thought to have been printed on the night of July 4th, only 26 copies survived. Most are held in a museum and library collections, but three are privately owned. So July 4th, they printed them, and then they signed it on august the 2nd okay yeah and here is uh, the last of many questions that i'll, I'll in, in, in intermittently ask throughout our broadcast and show today um when they signed the declaration of independence and during that time between july 4th and august 2nd and a little time thereafter was it just like hey high five we signed it or was there um discord in the united states what, what do you think the climate was 
I would think Discord. Yeah, I would think it. I would think it's. It wouldn't. It wasn't like a. A happy signing and just. It wasn't like Fourth of July nowadays. I'm thinking it was. Because that was like a different. declaration yeah. of war. You are both correct. Oh, when the news of the declaration of independence reached New York City, it started a riot. Yeah. By July 9th, 1776, a copy of the Declaration of Independence had reached New York City with hundreds of British naval ships occupying New York Harbor. Revolutionary spirit yeah. and military tensions were running high. Mm-hmm. George Washington, commander of the Continental Forces in New York, read the document aloud in front of City Hall. A hmm. raucous crowd cheered the inspiring words and later that day tore down a nearby statue of George Third. The statue was subsequently melted down and shaped into more than 42,000 musket balls wow. for the fledgling American army. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Hmm. That's neat. Oh, and also, did anybody ever recant? Anybody that signed it, take it back? Say, I don't like this sector. I don't want to be independent. I, I bet they did. They did. I didn't yeah. get a chance to answer. Richard Stockton. It's okay. it's okay. Some of these questions are making me feel unpatriotic because I'm getting them wrong. So. <laughs> no, no. You can pass them on to people like like you read this all the time, and it just wasn't on today's show. Uh, Richard Stockton, a lawyer from Princeton, New Jersey. Boo, uh, Richard. Little Princeton, little Stockton. Ivy League guy, became the only signer of the Declaration of Independence to recant his support of the Revolution. On mm. November 30th, 1776, the hapless delegate was captured by the British and thrown in jail. Captured by the British, but he was on their side. I don't know. We're going to read more. After months of harsh treatment and meager rations, Stockton repudiated his signature on the Declaration of Independence and swore his allegiance to George, King George III, Mm. a broken man when he regained his freedom. He took a new oath of loyalty to the state of New Jersey in December of 1777. Mm. Um, That is crazy. What happened to waterboarding and still sticking up for your nation? You know? <laughs> Tony, do you think they waterboarded back then? They should have this guy. <laughs> no you kidding. You know, it's like they they need to touch to test your patriotic uh, patriotism or you know whatever. Um they this you should have if you should be able to withstand waterboarding to 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 because we were we had already beat the redcoats. Well, remember what Patrick Henry said? I only have one asterisk for my country. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let's see, let's see that. Uh, it also says, what is the age difference between the youngest and the oldest signers of the Declaration of Independence? And who were they? Have any idea? Oh, that's so hard. How could he possibly Okay, just know? give me an age range. Cause oh, we know gosh. Uh, 95 to 27. 27 okay. to 95. That's pretty broad. I don't yeah. think we had any. Did we? I guess we could have had some 95-year-olds. Um, there was a 44-year age difference between the youngest and the oldest. The oldest signer was Benjamin Franklin at 70. That's what I thought. When he But I thought he was older than that. And the youngest was somebody I've never heard of. Edward Rutledge, a lawyer. They're all lawyers. They're all lawyers. They're all, all those guys were lawyers. From South Carolina, who was only 26 at the time. Oh, wow. Rutledge narrowly beat out fellow South Carolinian Thomas Lynch Jr., just four months his senior for the title. Hmm. I'm sure that y'all are really bored with all of this. Well, it sure is interesting, and we're excited about Fourth of July. But today, Tony, we are going to be talking about guardianship. Wait, one more question. All right, speed it up. What is written on the back of the? This is for Ethan. What is written on the back of the Declaration of Independence? Uh, invisible map <laughs> that leads to a national treasure. <laughs> We saw that movie. That's I'm sure he's so right. Your Tony. final answer he's is got to be right. Uh, yes, that is my <laughs> final answer. Invisible map, only answer. answer. Okay. Invisible map. To In the movie nation. National Treasure, Nicolas Cage character claims that the back of the decoration contains a treasure map Very with good. encrypted instructions with the founding fathers written in invisible ink. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is not the case. There is, however, have a they, simple... Have they, have they tested it? Have they... Do they actually know? Hey, are you know? sure? Are you they sure? I maybe we'll, we'll, at the end of this text, we'll find out. There is, however, a simpler message written upside down across the bottom of the signed document. And it's, quote, Original Declaration of Independence dated July 4th, 1776. No one knows who exactly wrote this or when, during the Revolutionary War years, during the Revolutionary War years, the parchment was frequently rolled up in transport. It's thought that the text was added as a label. Oh, that's neat. Okay, no more. I won't 
But you were, you y'all were. He was. Na- you watched National Treasure. He sure did, and remembered. I saw it, but I wouldn't remember that. July Fourth, though, big day, big day tomorrow. It sure is. We're looking forward to it. Do you have any plans for July Fourth? Um, we were at Home Depot on Saturday. That, of course, everybody knows us by first name. You know, oh, they know, know every, they we do. know everything about them. They know everything about us uh-huh. and what we're building and what we're doing and all that stuff. And um, so we were there on Saturday, and they had a little hot dog stand. And Jim was just like, I gotta have a hot dog. I gotta have a hot dog. And I'm like, and I said, okay, fine, you can slow down. You can get out and get it because we we're both being lazy. And he's like, no. So I went to ATB and I got all the hot dog stuff. I got, you know, the hot dog buns and the, the watermelon and, and the, the relish. And I used to make it, but I, now I don't make that stuff anymore. I buy ATB is way better cook than I am. Oh, already made? Yes, everything's already made. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're we're having hot dogs, too. My daughter is a hot dog fan. Well, we all are. Who's not a hot dog fan? foot long ones. I mean, like, actually, they were, the meat was actually a foot long. So, um, I'm thinking I'm going to go back and get some of those. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we're doing tomorrow, too. We're having a bunch of people over. But um, we, what we're going to be talking about this, uh, this episode is guardianship. We're about to go to break, but I want you to know, Tony and I want you to know that if you have questions about guardianship, you can email us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. You can also go to our Facebook page and we take live questions, uh, www.facebook.com slash legalconnectionshow slash, and you can ask us your questions there. When we come back after the break, we're going to start talking about guardianship what it is when it applies and how to get it done so a very important topic guardianship right now because when anybody young or old becomes incapacitated mentally or physically a guardianship should be something they should consider absolutely so we will be right back after the break Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands-Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Want to check out the fastest-growing sport in the world? It's right here in Conroe, Texas, and it's roller derby. Conroe Roller Derby is a nonprofit recreational league of women and men who want you to come and check out the fast-paced, hard-hitting game of roller derby. The Conroe Cutthroats practice at Rainbow Roller Rink on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You can find our game schedule and more information on our website, www.conroerollerderby.com. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to the Legal Connection Show with Tony and Cheryl. I want to tell you happy 4th of July. And today we are talking about guardianship. So, you know, Tony, before we went to the break, you said that guardianship was important and appropriate in a lot of cases. And I just wanted to say before, while we were in the break, you, you gave me a compliment. Oh, yeah. Like, Tony looks like a red, white, and blue Elvira. <laughs> She does. <laughs> if you're, if you can see us, uh, I have on clothes on Facebook, but she does. She Today. with an Uncle Sam jacket. But for Jim later, maybe not. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay, TMI, TMI. So guardian. Yes. What, can I give the definition of a guardian? Please I think do. you have it. But the Black's Law Dictionary, just so people know, it, is one who has the legal authority and duty to care for another's person or property, uh, especially because of the others incapacity or disability a guardian may be appointed either for all purposes or for specific purposes now i want to make the distinction that and i, I we want to get into some cases that we're handling 
a court can appoint a guardian. Uh, you can also apply to get a guardianship. But a guardian ad litem is very different from a guardian. And you can hear that all the time in courts. Um, uh, you'll get an attorney ad litem or a guardian ad litem. And um, a guardian ad litem is a guardian, usually an attorney, appointed by the court to appear in a lawsuit on behalf of an incompetent person or a minor, a minor defendant. So um, a guardian ad litem is somebody that represents somebody, in other words, an attorney that's going to step in the seat of the person that uh, can't represent themselves because that would be a violation of due process, talking about you know our, our Constitution and Declaration of Independence and all those other you know, uh, wonderful things. you have things. to have capacity. To- uh, yeah, if you don't have capacity in a lawsuit, whether it be because you are highly intelligent but a minor that has not been in- emancipated or, um, or because it's deemed that you're, you know, like a lot of times people are, they're insane. You know, if they're on, or they're on drugs or, or, or whatever the case may be. Now, that doesn't mean if they're physically incapacitated, they need a guardian ad litem. Right. Um, they, uh, I believe that, I think it's called a guardian ad litem. It's when you, uh, when a person is not available and you have to serve them to make sure that, to bring them into a lawsuit. Somebody's mm-hmm. hiding from the pro- their process server, in other words. Right. Or maybe that they just they just don't know where they're located. Uh, you know, uh, it happens a lot with the the land deals where you have adverse possession and you're trying to take over land. They will. Um, you'll you'll sue the entity that you're trying to bring into the suit, and then um, the court will appoint a guardian, or I think it's actually it's an attorney ad litem, not a guardian ad litem, an attorney ad litem to. Uh, might be a guardian. Anyway, the court appoints a person as an ad litem to uh, stand in the seat of the person that has not been served so that you can go forward with the case. Otherwise, a lot of things... Like an oil and gas law and all of that when, they, when they're when they suing for ownership and, and the mineral interest. I can't remember whether it was an attorney or a guardian ad litem. It seems like they're interchangeable. Well, this is a question we had from one of our listeners. Uh, what's the difference between a guardian and a conservator? Um, actually, a, a big difference. A guardian ad litem is just that. They are only temporarily appointed by the court, mm-hmm. whereas a conservator is, and I can look up the definition too, yeah, I was which I might be a lot easier, to, but conservator is somebody that's been appointed and they've been adjudicated to um, to represent. But let me look that up. That's a good question because it depends on the context. Mm-hmm. And when I hear a conservator of a state, it automatically think of a probate, but that's going to be the minister. Well, so it makes me think of child, per, child uh, divorce and proceedings and, and child custody and all of I'm, that. I'm looking up conservator right now because, you know, it's, it's funny. In um, the uh, text rule civil procedure, there's even a, a rule, and I think it's Rule 45, that uh, allows you, you can name a plea anything you want. The content is what is really important. Mm-hmm. So if the words that you use to identify somebody um, are, are used a different way, but it's clear by the... The, the, the order or the definition in the pleading, what they are, then that's what they are. So I think a lot of the words are kind of interchangeable. But let's look at conservator. I love my Black's Law Dictionary. I've had this since law school, so it's like, you know, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I use it, as you can see, a lot. I don't think the words have changed. And fortunately, um, we have computers now because I am really slow. Good grief. There's Constance. Hang on, hold up. All that conservator. Okay. <laughs> a guardian, protector, or preserver. So it is interchangeable. Okay. A person appointed by the court to manage the estate or affairs of another who is legally incapable of doing so. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is the conservator. Um, and I should know that because I've done a couple of these guardianships and always forget. I just say they're the guardian, but they are the guardian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll jump in real quick before we get into it so people have an idea I did a, um, a guardianship for a case about uh, maybe five or six years ago, and it was for a client who was young. He was about, uh, I want to say maybe about 25, and he had been doing, for a period of time, um, synthetic drugs. And he had done that because mm, he was on terrible. probation. Uh, he was on a deferred adjudication probation, meaning that if he complied with the terms of his deferred um, adjudication, it would be dismissed after you know a certain period of time, and I think his might have been four years. And what happened was he got in with the wrong group of kids. His parents were wonderful, loved his parents, very very good people. Um, but kids do what they're going to do, even young twenty ish kids. Mm-hmm. And so he got involved with the wrong group, and um, he got a job. Uh, I can't remember where he got the job at, but wherever it was, he started doing 
to pass the, the drug test, he was doing synthetic pot. And, and that doesn't show up on drug tests. Uh, it does now. They test for everything now. But at yeah. the time, uh, people are very creative. If they want to do drugs, they're going to do, yeah. they're going to try, you know, right. they might eat that sheetrock off the wall if they think it's going to give them a high. Mm-hmm. And it's insane because why would you do that to your body? But but they need this high. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't be happy enough just going to, to church, which is my high. If I didn't go to mass, I don't know what I'd do. I'd be mm-hmm. just to be an insane person. I just love going to mass so much. But that's my high. People go to mass instead of doing drugs. But uh, but right. anyway, uh, so he was doing these synthetic drugs. Um, he got he was going. Um, the police were after him for I don't remember why, but he thought he told them when they stopped him that he had a chip in his head, and that he was communicating with Obama uh, through a NASA chip. Oh, and this is literally on the tape that he told the police. Um, he was going 120 miles an hour down I-10 going west at noon on a Wednesday. Oh, good. Uh, so he was in danger, and it, he had five different. Uh, sets of law enforcement after him, um, all the different county, all the city. All, they were just following him. It was like a, a ma- and this was my client, and, and his his mom was very very nice, very professional. You would never have guessed this was going to happen. And uh, when they pulled him over, oh, they you know so had guns were drawn, and it could have been really really serious. But instead, um, he was almost childlike in in the video. Um, all he had in the car was comic books, and he said Obama was telling him to escape the conspiracy of the people following him, and so he seriously believed that. That he had, that this was a conspiracy against him in the United States, and Russia was out to get him. Russia, not China, or anything. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, uh, they, the the courts did not believe that he was ill. They thought he was making it up. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were ready to that. throw him in jail, and, like like bad jail. And so they they hired me. I repl- I substituted in for the other attorney. I looked at the facts. I understood that there was some mental illness here. And we went and applied for a guardianship for him. Mm-hmm. And what that did was it gave him the help that he needed. Mm-hmm. It gave his mother, who became his guardian, the ability to uh, control his, you know, taking the keys away from him, locking them, because he had a driver's license. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was able to put him in a sort of, uh, I don't want to say a home, but uh, a place where he could stay, where he was watched 24-7. Wow. In, until, because his, until they, his brain's unfried, uh, he was a danger to himself and other people mm-hmm. and sweetest kid ever. I mean, talking with him, very intelligent. Mm-hmm. You would never have known that this kid was not making this up because, but he was, it wasn't, he was seriously mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And so the, with the guardianship, what we did was we went to the probate court. We had, um, we requested a guardianship. We explained the terms and the facts. Mm-hmm. All his family agreed. It went really smooth. There wasn't a hearing or anything. It was like, we, really? just, we basically approached the judge and because there was an agreement because he had a, psych- a psychiatrist, a doctor, mm-hmm. that, uh, that actually did a test on him mm-hmm. uh, to show that he did, was impaired. Um, we got that done, and then we were able just to get this guardianship and then show the court that he wasn't making this up. But if you were to talk to him, you would think he was making it up. You, you would think he was just making this up so he wouldn't go to jail. Why, he just kind of came across insincere? He came across too intelligent to have been mentally ill. He, but but the, all of a sudden he would just tell you you'd be talking like I'm talking to you right now, he would just be talking to you about he knew everything, and all of a sudden though it would say well you know Obama he would talk about maybe maybe there was some kind of conspiracy I mean he had me convinced me convinced that that Obama was communicating with him and that I needed to talk to NASA, I mean that's how convincing he was. Wow. There was no way Obama was talking to this kid. No. But you know maybe I'm wrong maybe there are you know space people out there but for right now. He's got a guardian, and that, that's the kind of thing we needed that for. Right. Okay. And so, uh, you know, for our listeners, if uh, you're dealing with a guardianship issue, if you know someone that's dealing with a guardianship issue or has questions, has someone that they ne- they feel like a proposed ward, someone that needs a guardian, uh, Tony and I do guardianship. We're here to answer your questions. And... Um, we want you to reach out to us. You can send us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com or you can call us at 281-529-5862. Uh, we're about to go to break, but before we do, um, you know, I want to tell our listeners that if you do have a guardianship issue, you need to find an attorney that is certified to ha- take guardianship cases. And certification is a relatively easy matter for an attorney. They just have to go to a class, an all-day class, type thing. Oh, but get you're, their under, certification. you're under, I guess, mining uh, how much you learn at that class. Absolutely. And it's a specialty that you really need to know. And you must be certified by the, the, the law. State bar. By statute 
to be able to handle these cases. So yeah, you're right. I, I kind of downplayed that. It's very mm-hmm. it's very complex. And guardianship cases, I mean, I don't know. They're they're involved. There's they're, a lot they're, of paperwork. The one I just described would have been or it was smooth sailing because right. th- this kid did not want to go to prison and he was going to prison. Yeah. Uh, because of all the things he had done and it was contributed uh, the contributor factors for him taking the drugs that he should have known, but they don't give you that break in the law. He shouldn't have done it. There's a lot of cases where the people don't want a guardianship are there's a there's an argument about who will be the guardian. So we'll talk about that when we get back. And in your case that you were talking about, are both his mom and dad guardian or just his mom? We had to get the approval of because he was an adult mm-hmm. of his next of kin, which were parents and also psychiatrists. There was a we had to jump through a lot of hoops. But everyone is, what is an agreement. That's why it was such smooth sailing. Right. Because you had, to, you had to make sure that you properly served them and you didn't, if you had any dispute or conflict that steps in and it makes it more expensive uh, and you, you run the, the, once the court gets involved and they start making decisions, you run your legal cost way up. Absolutely. And it, it, you also are preventing the person that needs the guardian from getting the guardianship sooner. So Yeah, so true. Okay, we're going to go to break. We will be right back. The Legal Connection Show with Tony and Cheryl, Legal Talk Radio. We'll be right back after the break. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at pathtoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Today we are talking about guardianship. And um, before the break, we talked about that you need to get a certified attorney to represent you in a guardianship case. Certification is required, and they have to take a course, and it is involved. The attorney does. Um, So once you find an attorney that is certified, there, there are some, some avenues. One of the questions that we has, had was, what do you do if you, you need a guardianship attorney and you can't afford one? And you can find an attorney. Maybe you could try a volunteer lawyer, Houston Volunteer Lawyers. I think Lone Star Legal Aid is another one mm-hmm. that will help you. And uh, But you can also get your costs paid for, and this goes with a lot of different cases. Because um, uh, I'm handling one where this was a... Uh, uh, one of these people that stays in your property that won't leave because they're professional Squatters. tenants who know how to get around paying rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, what the law provides this, and you can get a uh, an applicant. It's, it's called basically it's a pauper's affidavit. Right. If you apply for it, then uh, and and this was actually on our list of things. I have not had anybody actually that I've worked with fill out a pauper's affidavit. But um, if the applicant cannot afford to pay the court costs based on income and asset information. The applicant provided uh, the applicant provided during the intake. The volunteer attorney. Uh, this is if you go to a volunteer attorney, mm-hmm. but but in one way or the other, you still apply and you can fill out this um, applicant. It's called a statement of inability to afford payment of court costs, uh, and it's also for an appeal bond. And they have these forms online in most of the courts. They have it uh, in. Yeah, I haven't actually looked to tell you the truth uh, in the Montgomery County um, uh, County Clerk's Office. But if you Google it, you can usually find it, and the same form with the proper information can be applied. To, applied, uh, fill out your information, apply your facts, file it with the court where you'll be filing your 
petition for a, an application for a guardianship, and then the judge will review it, just like they do in criminal cases, to determine if you legitimately don't have the money. Um, if you have assets that you could sell, that, then they're not going to let you do it. If you have a job that pays, you know, remotely well, even not above, above minimum wage, then you're probably not going to qualify. And they will check into it. You can't lie on these. Mm-hmm. But if you really need a guardianship, and a lot of people do, right. and you don't have the money, right. uh, then this is the way to go. You want to fill out one of these pauperous affidavits. It's called an affidavit of insufficiency. Um, it's, it's called the, F, the Statement of Inability to Afford Payment of Court Costs. There's also a form called the Affidavit of Insufficiency of the Estates, which should be filed by the applicant um, if the applicant does not have to, so the applicant doesn't have to pay the ad litem. But that's just another thing where you're going through the legal aid. Um, well, the ad litem, there is an ad litem that's appointed in guardianship cases. And, you know, the there's a modern thing going on that um, I think there was a case, it was called Jenny's case, and it was a, a Down syndrome girl who uh, had a job. She uh, had a little apartment above where she worked, and uh, she wanted to be independent, and her parents wanted to be her guardian. And Jenny did not want her parents to be her guardian. No, people do not want people, when they become adults, they do not want somebody telling them what to do longer. Well, as a guardian, mm-hmm. you, you in a guardianship cases, you are taking away all that ward's or proposed ward, a proposed ward is the, the incapacitated person. And look at it on person. the flip side, the person that's now become the guardian is responsible for where that person, just like a kid. Right, but you're taking away all of their rights, right. all of their legal rights. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I mean, unless the guardianship's limited to just financial and not physical. Well, I mean, right, but we're talking about someone who's incapacitated. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, like my guy, like my, my, my client. Exactly, mm-hmm. or the case that I have. I mean, mm-hmm. she's got the mentality of a three-year-old and Mm -hmm. she's going to be 18 and they do not want to give up those rights once they're an adult and the court wants to know that now i want the listeners to know that the court wants to know that every avenue has been searched out Mm -hmm. before taking away that person's rights and and also you know tony the courts are just swamped with these guardianship cases too Mm -hmm. and so a lot of these avenues that if you go through the right the right procedure though it moves pretty fast but the courts are swamped, so mm-hmm. what they want to do is something else. Now they're they trying to come up with contracts that the proposed ward signs and the guardian signs that the guardian can be in their doctor's appointments and stuff like that without having to go through the court system mm-hmm. because oh. they're swamped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, um, I, but I, we need to get to the physician's certificate. Yeah. I think that's a crucial part. So in this case that you were talking about that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, of the, you had to go to a doctor who would verify, perform right. I tests. I went to a psychiatrist, a, and he was also a PhD. I didn't want to, uh, because my clients had the money to be able to get the best. Mm-hmm. And we really did want to know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know through all the different tests that were done. Was is he, you know, is he intermittently crazy? Is he was he on drugs when he was talking to me? I mean, I didn't know. So we needed a professional that could identify whether he was a really good actor. Or he really had some serious problems and. As it turned out, he had some serious problems. It wasn't, you know, again, you're talking to somebody like I'm talking to you, and and they're coming across as sane as I'll get out. You think they're teasing with you. Right. Or they're just manipulating you. Right. Some people are just crazy, and that kind of scares me. Yeah, it is because scary. I'm telling you, when I talk to this person, I've met a lot of different people in all my line of work, criminals, civil, the whole bit. And, uh, you know, I'm from Louisiana, my family, the whole bit. Um <laughs> I, uh, I I would not I thought, would have thought that he was making it up and he just wasn't and his mother was he he still texts me from the the home that he's at that he's taking he's care still of still at a home and he's like uh, you know uh, Miss Tony when can I get my comic books and I want to get a job and but then he'll turn right around and say well I want to he'll he'll be like uh, very lucid uh, I need to get a job I've done this I've done this but he can't because he can't be trusted not to go take the keys and go crazy and. Right. Down the freeway. But in, in the guardianship application, or the one that you were successful mm-hmm. in filing, right. his mom was the guardian, you got a physician I chose my own. A lot of times the court will appoint one for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm totally against that because I think that that's your choice. If you're in the criminal courts, particularly, they want to see if, uh, you know, they do the, the mental evaluations because mm-hmm. they don't think you're crazy either. Or maybe they're, right. maybe they're doing it, which I, I, I take that back. They usually are. They're just so swamped, and they don't know who's who's lying and who's not. Right. They have to do mental evaluations to determine if somebody should be in the drug court, or if they've got some serious mental problems, or if they're they're making it up because mm-hmm. they're trying to get off. And so mm-hmm. the criminal courts will appoint, uh, or, or you'll go do the mental uh, 
the mental, uh, I want to say mental health evaluation. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that they're very cynical because they have so many people that, that pretend mm-hmm. that they're mentally ill. Right. Uh, because they're really just drug addicts and mm-hmm. they want, they want to be on probation and they want a lighter sentence or whatever, whatever the case may be. And so the problem is that them being so cynical that they will, they, they overlook somebody that really needs help. And that, that's, that's, would, a that's why you want your own completely credentialed physician if you can get that and afford that mm-hmm. to do your own. And then they, uh, they fill out a determination of mental retardation is one or um, um, it's physician certificate. Yeah, that's the one they have in the courts and they, they recognize it. Courts like to see the same. They don't want to get something that's not in the form that they're accustomed to looking at, like a pleading. Right. And so this one's actually a fill in the blank form that's on most county websites that the you doctor take fills it to out. A doctor. You take it to a site, and a, a, a regular physician can do it. Mm-hmm. But in my case, I wanted a psychiatrist to do it. Somebody mm-hmm. that had, you know, more uh, education. I didn't want them. I didn't want it to be kicked out by a particular judge because they would say it was not qualified. And that, you know, another tiny short story. I had a case I was doing, and I had the most credentialed expert you can imagine. Uh, it was for a uh, a juvenile case, a, a young child, like mm-hmm. a five or six year old. And um, I, he had gone through all of this stuff, and he was my expert. And the court, the opposing side, did not want this guy in. And they actually got him kicked out because he had not, in other words, they gate, it's a gatekeeping statute. And they took him on board. It was a long hearing. And I wasn't able to use him except for as an offer of proof uh, outside the jury uh, because they said that he hadn't updated a form. and paid. Oh, good night. It was like a completely ridiculous reason for my person not to be able to come into court and testify. So that's why if you have any question that there might be a contest Just as to the guardianship, sure make sure the person you get is credentialed. And I think it's important to know that the medical examination has to be done within 120 days of the date of yes, filing the or you have to update it. In other words, it needs to be current. You can't have some old letter from a doctor saying, yeah, they... Which a lot of people want to use because mm-hmm. somebody may have been going through a bad time and they're like, oh, look... This person's crazy, um, so we need to. We're going to apply against their will. They're applying for a guardianship against their will with this piece of paper, and it may have been, you know, it, years and years ago when they were going through a bad time, or right? And that's why they updated. It's got to be. It's got to be right. current. Or it and, will be kicked out. Yeah, the judge won't look at it. And then the application is filed, and the application today has tab language about other alternative supports and services. Have it's been a full tried. blown petition, right? A full-blown original petition, and then an ad litem motion mm-hmm. uh, is submitted to the court, which means that an ad litem attorney who represents the proposed ward yes. is going to be appointed. Yes, and when it's agreed that there's going to be an agreed guardianship, that then you're really good friends with the ad litem, and if it's almost like you're one of your child custody divorce cases, the ad litem has got a lot of sway. But mm-hmm. on an agreed one yeah. um, application for guardianship. They really are just kind of chit-chatting with the family. It's just, right. it's a very happy thing, like an adoption. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's ad items for adoptions, too, to make sure they're checking everything out, mm-hmm. which they do. But um, what is not agreed is when it gets kind of sticky because somebody wants a different guardian. And this happens when there's a lot of money involved. When somebody like, like say, Hugh Hefner, um, they, they don't have, their attorneys haven't set it up for them in advance. Uh, the the heirs um, are uh, maybe not, ha- they may not have a good moral uh, uh, fortitude and character and they're doing everything within their power to find this older person to be incompetent like so that, Hugh Hefner for example yeah this happens didn't a lot happen to him but and so, so his heirs would be trying to declare him incompetent that, incapacitated yes so they could take over his estate that is why you have these medical certifications and you have and your and just like we talked about in some other shows about estates that you have a certification by a doctor with witnesses to show that this was not a scam Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it can be done properly. Otherwise, your rights get taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're in the middle of talking about guardianship, but we're going to go to a quick break, and we will be right back. The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, 
and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Does volunteering at a nonprofit horse sanctuary sound wonderful? Or are you a veteran or a veteran spouse and think trying a peer group session through a local Horses and Heroes equine program might be worth trying? Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary, located in Grand Central Park by appointment only, is home to a growing number of rescued and donated horses. Visit our website at henryshomehorsesanctuary.org or check out our Facebook at Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary for more information. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. We are here today, Tony and I, we're talking about guardianship. And it's complicated, isn't it, Tony? Well, uh, it's complicated, but, you know, each every time I've done a guardianship, and I've done quite a few, and it's not something I remember without going to the checklist because it becomes rote. It's just like you got to do it. You don't want to forget anything. So you always go back to, or at least I have, not a form or take my certification class or anything like that. I literally go to the county where I'm getting the guardianship, and uh, I'll look at their website because they usually have a how-to. And the Texas State Bar has it, too. I love the Texas State Bar's website because they've got a checklist for what you have to go get done. And, of course, you have to get background checks, and you've got to take, I think, we'll go over each one of those, the, the guardianship class for the guardian. But two things came to mind. One is that a good thing to think about when you think about a guardian is parents are guardians, right? Mm-hmm. So all this is, the, what's changed, the only thing that's, you don't have to get a guardianship uh, application as a parent, although a lot of people should, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. when no they have kidding. kids. Um, but in order, when someone's emancipated, uh, when, when by law you're not responsible for them, you have to get a guardianship and it's really just the same. Once you're the guardian, it's like you're their parent. Yeah, And absolutely. if they do something crazy, like get the keys and drive down I-10 120 miles an hour thinking, you know, spaceships are after you, um, then that guardian knows they need to get a key box for the keys. Right. Because they're going to be held accountable for any damages or injury that are caused by their ward because they knew better. Exactly. There's a responsibility, a moral responsibility. Well, as far as the... Um, the actual process of doing it, you know, we took our listeners up to an attorney ad litem is appointed that represents the interests of the and proposed And that can be paid for if you fill out one of the little forms to see if, you know, it's proper. Proper. Because, again, if people really need a guardian, you don't want money to be what's holding you back. Exactly. Because there's a whole litany of problems mm-hmm. if someone needs a guardian and they don't have and it. And the courts are very liberal with that. But they're not going to let you lie. They're going to check it out. So you mm-hmm. don't lie on your application to get a freebie. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the attorney needs to provide notice to all parties that require notice. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. If you don't get that notice out and you don't get it sent properly to the uh, to the right people by through, through a certification, I believe it needs to be through a process server for certain individuals like the parents or, or and I can't remember right off. You have to look at the law. It's uh, proposed law. ward and the proposed ward. The proposed ward actually has to get notice. Right. And regardless of their capacity, what right. level they're at, right. they that notice served. has to be put in their hands. Right. They can't even have someone else uh, be served for them. They've got to be personally Right. Served. And it has to be the, uh, the parents and I think the siblings that are the exact uh, ones yet. But I remember uh, one of my guardians. proposed ward and proposed ward's parents. Oh, just the parents. The sister in my one of my cases. Uh, because she wasn't served by a process server, that that held mine up. I had to refile. I had to get an update on my physician certificate because it was getting because past 120 it days. Because out, really? Uh, because it got kicked back because of the service. Oh, my goodness. And it was like a real a technical. So you have to follow it, you know, pretty much. Uh, you have you to know, go to, to the, the estate's T, code. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm telling you, the the county, the different county clerk's offices, they will help you. They're very nice. Yeah, they're uh, so they, nice. They'll list it out for what you need to do. And um, if something happens, you can always correct it and go forward. Um, I think we also had the, the, you have to go through the criminal 
the criminal record search, which kind of surprised yeah, me. Yeah, that's that next. You have a criminal record search for all the uh, applicants. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you how to do that if you haven't done that before. Um, I think like we're looking at a form that was from a recent certification, and you can go online to get these things done. But um, but just uh, to follow, if you don't, I'm saying if you don't hire an attorney, I mean, to, to, to get through this quagmire, you almost want to hire an attorney. And how much would an attorney cost uh, to um, do a guardianship Well, I know that case. what I've charged before, and again, um, I'm just like, and my husband will vouch for this, I'm just like Miss Pro Bono America. Yeah, I know you are. I vouch for really that. Which is really bad because I feel she's Miss Fourth of July Elvira Pro Bono. Well, it's because <laughs> you you serve God by serving others, and if somebody really can't afford and they really need help, I'm going to help them. Right. You know, if it's exactly. not a hardship to me. But I'm thinking what thirty five hundred dollars to. If it's no, if it's not, um, if, if there's not a conflict mm-hmm. or contested, mm-hmm. thirty five hundred is about right because. You have to look at how many man hours the attorney's putting into it and filing and the service. And, the and there's a lot, right. To, to make sure it's done right and runs smoothly. And you have to approach, you have to get with the ad litem. You've got to appear before the court. You've got to explain all of this to your client, who is generally going to be the person that, that needs the guardian. And you've got to explain everything to the, the guardian themselves. The attorney the ad litem is, that's their client, the, per, the person that needs the guardian. But the attorney's client would be the applicant. So... The, right. the guardian themselves. Right. The attorney ad litem is going to be the one that's appointed by the court that comes and checks everything out. Right. To make sure that the place is good. And, and then the applicant will have to take a guardianship class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's uh, as of June 1st, the the applicant has to take a guardianship class. Now they, I've never, since I have not done one, that my, my applicants never needed to... And, you know, we're using the term sort of not loosely here, probably the proper legal terms. But when you're doing a guardianship, there is a mishmash of who all these people are. Uh, On the ones that are not contested, you're talking with the mom or the parent or the person that's going to be the guardian. And the other person's always there with you. You don't want to hide it from them unless they're like flat out crazy and you don't want to scare them. So you have to kind of of play it by ear. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of communication going on in these guardianship applications. It's not just, you know... You know, uh, quick play, let's just do this, file the paperwork, and get it no. done. You've got to it's make definitely sure everybody a process. understands their responsibility and what's going on. Right. Are you and then that goes with visiting the family. You know, the ad litem, guardian, uh, the attorney ad litem that's representing mm-hmm. the proposed ward goes out and visits the family. But also as the attorney for the applicant, you go out and visit the family. And then, also, then there's a hearing. So you prepare for the hearing, mm-hmm. and you go to the hearing, and everyone comes to the hearing. And I will add this, too, that... Uh, there's other members of the family who are not in agreement with who's going to be the guardian, and it's there's a contest or a conflict. Um, a, a lot of times they are not noticed or don't have to be on notice when the hearings are. And so you just got to really be careful about what you say as an attorney and, and how you're going forward with it and who the guardian is. And we're, we're talking about family, and we all know Fourth of July is coming up. Family members get crazy when they're all... <laughs> when they don't all agree, with, you know, on who they voted for for president, just like the Roseanne thing. Uh, family members are very passionate, and a lot of times they don't agree on everything. And when you're dealing with a guardianship, it's particularly when there's a lot of money involved or when there's not a lot of money involved, whatever the case may be. When there, there, there's a conflict and there's a lot of different family members that have a difference of opinion, you got to be real, real careful as the attorney or as the person that's becoming the guardian because uh, you're, you're walking on... Um, on thin ice. A good attorney can have such a positive impact, and then a bad attorney can make a big but, mess. So the key here is listening to everybody. Okay. And giving everybody the respect that they're due, regardless of their opinion, and hearing everybody out, and then taking it all in. Because ultimately, the, the attorney ad litem, or the, 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 the ad litem appointed by the court, will be the one that makes the suggestion if there's a conflict to the judge. And the judge will almost always go with, with the ad litem With suggest. the ad litem suggest. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so that's awesome information. There's a, there's a hearing. Everyone shows up to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And basically, if it's friendly, then... It's just a little dance. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, these things can get pretty ugly, like you said, when mm-hmm. families start fighting. Yeah, put people on the stand. Well, if there's a complete um, disconnect on who should be the guardian, or once a guardianship's even necessary, you're going to have a full-blown trial. You're going right. to have witnesses... Uh, maybe the person that's gonna that the ward, the one that because there's they're they're gonna evidence to the judge, I'm not crazy, right? Um, but then you'll have their doctor coming <laughs> up saying, well, yeah, they are. They're just you know. so it it could it could go to a full blown hearing. Um, 
but on the few that I've done, it's been friendly. Um, again, it's a, it's a huge right. All these rights are being taken away from me if you get a guardian. Right. Now, that being said, you can have a guardian that's only for the purpose of financial matters or that's only right. for the purpose of physical matters. And that's one of the questions from our uh, audience. Uh, what types of guard are there different types of guardians? And there are. Right. There are. Uh, we've only got two more minutes, but I want to wrap this up. After the hearing, uh, the guardian has to be made aware, guys. If you're listening and you're thinking about becoming the guardian of your child that's about to turn 18 or maybe your aging parent, mm-hmm. uh, there are annual reporting duties. Yes. And you will be advised Very as important. to those. But I want to give this website to anyone who needs more information. It's uh, access.tarrantcounty.com. And you look for the Ad Litem Manual. It's Judge King's Ad Litem Manual. It, it's a, a resource that's used by attorneys all over the state. Well, probably all over the country. And uh, th- that will help you. So, But as I've told you before, Tony and I are here too. Now, I want to add one thing. You can terminate a guardianship if it's determined through these annual or before, whenever, the, whenever it's necessary. You can terminate a guardianship if it's determined that the ward no longer needs a guardian. And it, that's determined to, in the same way. But you have to go way. through the court. Yeah. Go through the court. It's a okay. judicial proceeding. All right. So it is It is endable. It's not forever. Right. But it's, becoming a guardian is a legal process. And it's a, it, you're now, by by law, you're responsible for this person. To undo that is also a legal process. Like right. A divorce. Very right. good. Well, thank you, Tony. Well, we, Tony and I have been here today talking about guardianship. You can download this tomorrow and listen to us on Google Play or iTunes. You listen to our podcast. And also, you can check us out on YouTube, I think. We're on YouTube. and YouTube, Facebook. We have our website. Um, we're just all over the place. We sure are. <laughs> uh, check out our website at LegalConnectionShow.com. You can send us questions at questions at LegalConnectionShow.com. And remember, we're here every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. on 104.5 or 106.1. So we will see you next week and serve God by serving others. That's right. Have a great week, guys.